A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, say to say to this paralysed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out, in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and the disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name's Shirley, and I'm a member of the church family here. And this morning, we're continuing our series and looking today at forgiveness. The reading was taken largely from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. But in chapter one of Mark, a lot had happened. Um, Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist. He'd spent 40 days in the wilderness. Um, he started to gather his disciples around him. And then he traveled from village to town to synagogue, preaching and teaching on the way. He also, as we heard last week from Alan, um, healed people, in particular the story of the lepers is told, 
and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. So he was beginning to get a bit of a following. And in our story in chapter 2, we read about his conflict with leaders of the Jewish faith. And in fact, this is where Mark goes now. There's a whole series of stories where Jesus comes into conflict with these people. So in this first story, he's arrived in Capernaum, which is kind of his base in the north, if you like. And he was staying in a house. The the, um, convention those days was that if you had your front door open, you were open for visitors. Well, Jesus must have left his front door open because we find the scene with Jesus' house completely full of people. They were crammed into the downstairs room. There was probably really only one room. Um, They were small houses, external staircase, flat roof. So everyone had crammed into Jesus' house. People were jammed in the doorway, and people were also gathered around the outside of his house. And Jesus was inside teaching. So at this point in time, I think the only voice you would have been able to hear would have been Jesus's voice. Calm, clear, and full of authority. And everyone would have been quiet so that they could hear. And that's when the noise started. Scratching, scrabbling, and then bits of dust started to fall onto the people. And then bits of clay and brushwood And then the noise got louder, and the pieces of clay got bigger, and people started to fear that the roof was going to fall in. So I can imagine the people quickly moving to the side of the room, getting out of the way, and looking up at the ceiling. And there a hole appeared, a large hole in the ceiling, from which through the hole came a pair of feet quickly followed by a body which was tied to a stretcher and was being lowered by four ropes. The people rushed forward, grabbed the stretcher and lowered it gently to the ground. And then everyone looked up to the ceiling and through the hole in the ceiling were four faces, managing to look triumphant, guilty and scared all at the same time. And everyone in the room turned then to look at Jesus. Was he going to be angry? Was he worried about his roof? Well, I can't help thinking that Jesus had the biggest grin on his face because he just loved it when people demonstrated faith, when he saw faith in action. So what do we know about this man who was lying on the mat in the middle of the room? Well, I think he must have been an okay kind of guy because he had four really good friends. And he managed to persuade them, when they obviously couldn't get through the door, to climb onto the roof and to punch a hole through the ceiling. They must have been pretty sure that Jesus was a man worth fighting to see. Jesus looked at the young man on the mat And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, 
I didn't actually expect him to say that. I thought he'd say, son, you are healed, get up and walk. But Jesus sees our deepest need. He sees us and he knows us inside out. He knew this man needed to be forgiven and perhaps the man didn't even realize that himself. Jesus spoke those four words, your sins are forgiven. And I can almost see that man relax down into that mat to sigh as all the things that had been weighing on his mind, all the guilt, all the sadness, the self-loathing, who knows what else, went. Back to the story. Jesus looked at the young man and he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And at that moment, there would have been an almost audible intake of breath from everyone who heard his words. Did Jesus know what he was saying? Every Jew would have known that the only person who could forgive sins was God. And this time, everyone turned their heads and looked at the religious leaders, the scribes, who were the only people in the room still sitting. And the scribes were thinking to themselves, blasphemy, this is blasphemy. Wait till we get back and report on this. But Jesus broke into their thoughts and he said, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to take your mat and walk? Really, Jesus? You're asking which of these two impossible things is the easiest? But of course, they're not impossible to God. They're not impossible to someone with the power and authority of the living God. They are both forgiveness of sins and miraculous healing, examples of divine power and proof that God is in the house. The forgiveness of sins is a harder one to grasp because we can't actually see it the evidence is not so clear-cut. With a healing, it's usually pretty obvious what's happening. Everyone would be able to see. The man's healing could not be denied if he got up and walked out in front of everybody. So Jesus carried on talking and he said, but that you may know that I am the Son of God, and that I have authority to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. 
But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, get up, take your mat, and go home. That is one revolutionary statement. The whole emphasis of this story then is on Jesus' power to forgive sins. He was declaring God's kingdom on earth, that he was the long-awaited Christ and the Son of Man. So here's a challenge for you. Do we believe him? Was Jesus a liar or was he telling the truth? And if you have not made up your mind yet, then I challenge you today to go and find out more about this amazing Jesus and then make your own mind up as an informed decision. We have all made mistakes, haven't we? We've all messed up. We've all done things that um, we're ashamed of. And we need to tell God what we have done wrong. We need to say sorry and ask him to forgive us. John, in his letter, says, if we repent and confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us. And then we trust that Jesus has done just that, that he has wiped away our sins like the black marks on a whiteboard. Think back to our friend on the mat. Jesus announced forgiveness over him with four words. Your sins are forgiven. He did not ask him to repeat verses from the Bible. He did not ask him three difficult questions. He did not say, come back tomorrow and every third Tuesday and we'll try this again. No, he just said, your sins are forgiven. Notice too that Jesus forgave his sins, plural, and all-inclusive. Your sins are forgiven. He didn't ask for a complete list by tomorrow. There were no conditions attached and no small print to pour over. This forgiveness is life-changing. Freed from all we have done wrong, the ability to start again afresh every single day. And for the young man on the mat, it certainly was life-changing. A reminder here, though, that we need to be ready to forgive others. Being forgiven and forgiving are two sides of the same coin, and we're reminded of this every time we say the Lord's Prayer, as we did earlier on in the service. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Finally, let me challenge you with another tricky question that was asked by Joyce Mayer, who is a Christian author and speaker. And she says, when you ask God to forgive you, do you accept his forgiveness right away or do you waste time feeling guilty? Well, I do this. I still cringe and worry over things I've done in the past. 
I still worry about things long forgiven and long forgotten by God. So yes, I sometimes feel recurring guilt. But my words are the clue to the answer. I feel guilty. Mayer says we need to learn that whether or not we feel forgiven, we are forgiven. If that guilt does start to creep back over your shoulder and lay a weight on your heart, remind yourself that you are forgiven. And here is an opportunity to use a piece of your armor, the sword of the word of God. Have some pre-prepared moves and parries ready. Have the word of God in your heart ready to speak out. So let me ask the band to come back up now while I just um, pick a few words of God to speak over us to remind us about forgiveness. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Isaiah 43, I, even I, am he who blots out your sins for my own sake and remember your sins no more. And Isaiah, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. If you have heard anything this morning that makes you feeling the need for prayer, maybe do see someone before you leave here. Anyone you've seen at the front, myself, Alan, we'd all be very happy to pray with you. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, you know how often we mess up and get things wrong. You see right into our hearts. We're sorry for all that we have done wrong and ask now that you forgive us. Thank you that you are a God who loves to forgive. Thank you for forgiving us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Amen.